Boston Podcast. So last week on the cover of the Austin Chronicle, there was a picture of Town Lake with a guy on a paddleboard. And in really big font, it says Gators in Austin. Obviously, this picture is Photoshopped. There's a bunch of Gators on the front. Pretty badass cover. I liked it. Yeah. Um, most of the time, their covers are kind of lackluster. Yeah. But I, I kind of dug that one. Have you seen this yet? Uh, yeah. I haven't read it, but I have seen this cover. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get around to reading the article, but I did Google a little bit about it. So there was actually probably about, uh, oh, I would say like a month ago, there was this article about there's this kind of, I guess, drainage pond in Dell Valley where there's about, they're predicting about three gators live there. And there's actually even a sign on the outskirts of the pond because it looks like there might be like a jogging trail around it that says gator habitat, beware. And someone's dog got killed did you hear about this i did not um so texas parks and wildlife came out and there's not really much i don't know if they tried to capture the gator that did it i'm not sure how that situation was resolved but uh texas parks and wildlife they're not an invasive species because alligators are native to texas they're pretty prominent in east texas i don't know how they ended up as far west as del valley i don't know if they got introduced there if somebody put them there Definitely an interesting article. And then also, I remember in 2020, there was somebody who posted a picture on social media that went viral here locally, and some of the local news sources got a hold of it. It looked like a baby gator in Town Lake. So somebody, it was like up on a rock, and somebody took a picture of it, and that like went viral. So needless to say... um, there are gators in Austin, the Austin area anyway, and how prominent they are is yet to be determined. But I thought it was interesting just because, you know, us growing up here, we always kind of heard of sort of these urban legends about gators being in town. Lake. Right, right. Granted, I don't know how substantial those claims are. I don't even know if they even found any back in the day, but the fact that somebody actually saw one even if it was small or not, in Town Lake, was pretty interesting. Yeah, no, it is. And, you know, like you said, we, uh, growing up in Austin, you know, you, I always heard there's gators that float around Town Lake, whatever the case may be. And, you know, you hear various stories throughout the years how they ended up there. You know, one I heard was that someone dumped some in there as a prank, you know, one year. Yeah, and, um, yeah I heard that one too. Yeah. But I never cited one. The worst I had ever seen is some nutria, which is, you know, yeah, the kind of a frightening sight to see. But, you know, the R.O.U.S.s. Yeah, the R.O.U.S.s. Yeah. yeah. And For the people listening, that's rodents of unusual size. And that is from the movie Princess Bride. And if, if you, you don't know, <laughs> if you haven't seen that, you probably should reevaluate what you've done with your life. because That's a truly perfect movie. But I digress. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Uh, and so when you told me about this article, I was like, you're out of your fucking mind, dude. What, what are you over there, you know, getting on? But started Googling it. And sure enough, it's a thing. Yeah. I've seen photos of it and it's crazy. And I don't think it's such a problem that 
these paddle boarders really have to worry about anything, I yeah. would say just stay the hell out of, you know, where it gets marshy at Town Lake and you should probably be fine. Yeah. And gators tend to shy away from places that are populated by humans to begin with. Like if, you know, you've seen it on a good summer day, Town Lake, especially where Barton Creek meets, is now a social scene. This is just like hundreds of people hanging out there. So I don't see, you know, gators just hanging out in that area. Yeah. But it's definitely something to be mindful of, you know. Where I think it could get interesting is, you know, if nature takes its course, if these gators evolve, they reproduce, get bigger over time, this could potentially be a problem 10 to 20 years down the road. I don't know what the city of Austin would do to mitigate the situation. What can you do? <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe bring in Texas Parks and Wildlife to try to remove them all. But if it, if it becomes so, um, like if they just become so saturated with gators, I don't really know how you would really approach that situation. You would have to, sh the hike and bike trail would probably look completely different. You know, the idea of gators just hanging out with all the people who run around early morning you know into the dusk and dogs yeah. off the leash that tends to happen there which is a combo for another time whether that's right or wrong but it's just there's a lot going on there if gator population did explode that it would yeah. cause a concern to modify how things look down there don't you think best case scenario though like one of those gators just like chomps out one of those fucking paddle borders like in jaws I mean, that would be like an ideal scenario, wouldn't it? Just shut the whole shit down. <laughs> like, yeah. It, it, yeah, I mean, that'd probably be best case scenario, right? Like just some, some fucking schmuck on his paddle board. Just like, I did not pay $700,000 for a <laughs> one-bedroom, half-bathroom house to be bitten by an alligator, you motherfucker. Like, yeah, that's... That would be best case scenario. Maybe that would drive everyone out of Austin, but... Did Joe Biden put these gators in the damn town lake? Yeah. Fucking people, let's go Brandoning all over the, the fucking hike and bike trail over gators. Yeah, it's a fucked up situation. I uh, I personally thought it was kind of cool. I like gators. I think they're Good fucking eating. cool to look at. But I don't go to the hike and bike trail, so I don't really have any like vested interest in whether they're there or they're not. But I could see how that would become a nuisance over time. And I, I don't think this is going to be the last we hear about this. I think this could potentially get worse over so time. So I was reading, as you were telling me about this, I think it was Texas Wildlife was hypothesizing that it's a migration thing. They think that during the colder uh, winter or the colder weathers, uh, they tend to migrate south down the Colorado River and all this shit. And it's a temporary, you know, they seek warmer climate. And then as things go back to normal throughout the seasons, they kind of return back to their native areas. But who knows if that's true? You know, I, how, how often is the Texas Wildlife Department really paying attention to what's going on in Town Lake? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I doubt they're monitoring it 24-7. So. Who knows? There may be a swath of them somewhere that, you know, hang out and we've never noticed it. And maybe the 
population is starting to grow to the point where we're seeing them in places where we wouldn't normally see them. Personally, I'm not scared of these gators. Like, I'm still going to swim in Barton Creek, you know, down below the spillway and all that shit. I'm not that worried about it, but, you know, one day it could be a thing. Gators do tend to take people, you know, just because they're splashing about in the water. The timing is ironic to me, though. To me, it's just a testament to that sometimes things in nature happen so inexplicably. And the timing is like, it's like, okay, Austin's turning into like this fucking epicenter in the US. And one of the main attractions, I think, of the city is Town Lake. People want to go paddleboarding. Which I don't get. <laughs> I don't understand it either. And then all of a sudden, there's like sort of this brewing gator problem that could potentially get worse. The irony in that is yeah, funny. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just real quick, I want to stay on the gator thing, but I, since we're talking about Town Lake, as someone who was born and raised here, if anyone happens to read and listen to this, that's a transplant, happens to be one of the people who hang out in Town Lake. What the fuck is wrong with you getting in that water? That water <laughs> yeah. is the most disgusting. I got in it one time when me and Christina first started dating. I decided to, you know, and I'd never done it in my life before. I don't know why I did it this time. I jumped into Town Lake. We had rented a canoe. We posted up under the bridge and the, the, under one of the bridges and there's these concrete slabs that you can kind of sit on. And we were all hanging out on one of those concrete slabs and I just took a plunge into the lake and I could not get that fucking smell off me for a few days. Yeah, it's nasty water, man. Considering how close in proximity it is to the city, you have to think about all the garbage that gets in that water and how much fucking piss and shit is in that water from homeless people, from the dogs. People have their dogs, like there's tons of dogs in that yeah. water. It's just this fucking... And it's not a very fast flowing body of water. It's just this shit soup that's yeah. connected to the city. And you see people fucking swimming in the water and like yeah. there's a local... You're well, just... I don't think they know any better, right? Because they, they don't, like when you're from here, and I've had this conversation with other native Austinites before, people who are from Austin don't, really paddleboard or get in that water no. that is such like the paddleboarding phenomenon like really took off in the past 10 years it's so like novel and new and like if you've only been living here a couple of years you see that you don't know anybody you're just like oh i'm gonna partake in this and there's like no it, there's no discernment involved at all they're just like oh we're, i'm gonna go and do this it's like man that water is disgusting, disgusting. yeah you, you got to think about the fact that Two of Austin's central South Austin's major thoroughfares go right over that river, mm-hmm. South First and Congress. The cars that fucking drive over that thing and are leaking Lord knows what fluid and it just stays on the bridge till it rains. Where do you think that all those fluids go? Yeah. Think about all the bat shit that's in that water too, man. I don't think people think about that. No. You got millions of bats under the bridge and they're just shitting all so in that water. A, yeah. So as a local, the furthest I'll get to that water is renting a canoe. I will rent one of those donut boats. That's a blast. But I'm not getting in that water. No. I actually, uh, total sidebar, but I actually know somebody that got like almost septic from swimming in town. Like, like they had to go to the hospital and shit. Like, because I got a really bad skin infection. Does not shock me. No. Like, you can get an infection from swimming. Yeah, no. The furthest I'll get to, the closest I'll get to Town Lake is swimming in the Barton Creek that, you know, feeds into 
uh, Town Lake, but you're never going to catch me crossing that barrier on the Town Lake. It's How just, bad do you want to see a gator just chomp the fuck out of some yuppie? I'd love it. <laughs> so I finally caved last night and watched Don't Look Up. I think it's, how long has it been out now? Probably a couple oh, of weeks, maybe. Yeah, Not that long. Um, and I started at first, because I don't get on Netflix that often, I started seeing all these posts about it on Facebook and social media. And I was like, hmm, a lot of people are talking about this movie, you know, kind of sparked my curiosity a little bit. And then I realized Leonardo DiCaprio was in it. And I was like, okay, this might be the first time to my knowledge that Leonardo DiCaprio has done a Netflix original. Yeah, no, I can't think is. of it him is. doing a different one. So I was like, okay, this seems kind of interesting. He's coming into the Netflix atmosphere and working. So probably worth checking out. Um, and I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't really quite know what the plot of the movie was. I just know that it had some kind of undertone in regards to social media is all I knew when I went right. into it. So I had no expectations and had no idea. And then I watched it and I was like, wow, this is really, really entertaining. Um, my take on it is, so I have a few different thoughts in regards to the movie. It was, to me, it was a giant metaphor for COVID-19. And I don't, oh, want, yeah. I don't want to be, it, that's probably like an obvious take. Um, I would say some people would agree, like most people, I hopefully would agree on that. Like it just was a giant metaphor for COVID. And then I also felt like there was this element of kind of, there was like a prognosis slash prediction of the only other big kind of Armageddon-esque catastrophe that we could possibly face in our lifetime. And it may not even be ours. It might even, we might be gone before this would ever even be a possibility. But outside of a pandemic, it would be potentially an asteroid or a comet hitting the planet. So I, to me, it was almost like they took the current state of affairs and kind of the landscape that we're currently dealing with, and they just up the ante and we're like hey let's let's you know kind of, case we'll, we'll make this parallel yeah. about you know a fucking asteroid or a comet right. hitting earth i thought it was really entertaining it to me it was it was almost like a black comedy in a way because there was a lot of comedic elements to it a lot of serious great acting by the way i could have probably done without some of jonah hill in it I feel like he gets typecasted a lot. I'm yeah. digressing, but I feel like they were like, oh, we're just going to make him like ridiculous, the up, douchey version mm -hmm. of how he was and super bad or right. something like really sarcastic. What was the other movie he was in where he was like super? Knocked up. Yeah, he was really sarcastic in that. He's always like, I feel like he's like the same guy in a lot Get of his movies. To the Greek as well. Yeah. Kind of the same thing. Um, but I probably could have done without that. But outside of that, Leonardo DiCaprio is always. Greatest actor of our generation, dude. I wouldn't go that far. He's up there. Okay, I won't I, already turn yeah. that into this conversation, but he's one of the great well, actors. Yeah, we'll, we'll circle back around to that because it's actually a good combo. But I, um, what, I, what I thought was really, uh, from a creative standpoint, what I really liked 
is they took literally everything we could possibly think of. They took all the elements of the past like year and a half to two years and combined it into a movie. Like, and there was all the characters in the movie were representative of, of these people in real life. It was like Meryl Streep was Trump. Leonardo DiCaprio was Fauci. Uh, Jonah Hill was Donald Trump Jr. You even they even went as far as like having the Antifa rebel kids in the movie. Yeah. They literally had all of it. They had the riots. They it was just an interesting fucking um what's the word I'm thinking of? Just kind of like a summary. They basically took everything that's happened the past couple of years and compartmentalized it. And then the creepy scientist or you know Yeah, the Elon Musk guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, had yeah. everybody. Dude. Yeah. It was they it was. covered every single fucking element it was a painfully painfully accurate fucking painfully accurate commentary on modern society and you would like to look at it and go it's just a comedy and society isn't really that bad but it really is Mm -hmm. and i could see should that that specific instance ever unfold it turning out just like that yeah being the politicized thing Uh uh-huh and um it was it was a really good movie. It was funny, and it was a change of pace for DiCaprio. Usually, when you think of DiCaprio movies, they tend to skew more towards the serious side. Mm-hmm. You know, you could say the most slapstick he's gone was The Wolf of Wall Street, but yeah. I wouldn't even say that's slapstick. That's you know, but that's a conversation for another I, time. I liked I liked how he was sort of this like neurotic uptight guy in the movie like he played that part really well yeah no he killed it uh conversation that we were just talking about one of the best actors of our generation he's he's one of the best i'm not going to go as far as saying he is the best but he's one of the best for sure i look at you know i'm not trying to get too i think denzel washington's a way more like he's not very active these days not very active these days but if you look at his career in totality it, it definitely surpasses. Oh, well, he's done more work. But yeah, yeah so to your point, it, just real quick to mention some of Denzel's highlights. Did you ever see the movie Glory? Yeah, I was really young, though. It, that was a master class in acting on yeah. his behalf. John Q was another great. Training There's Day. a lot of. Training Day yeah. was obvious. Malcolm X is great. Yeah, and Philadelphia was great. Yeah. Like he's, I'll give that to you. Although I his say, resume is just more impressive to me than Leonardo I would DiCaprio's. say they're different. That's gener- not that's not a slide at Leo. Different generations, but I don't I don't I don't think so, man. Like you we were both born in the eighties. Like so, that's about the time when Denzel really his career catapulted. Okay, well, late 80s. and I, could, I I would also say that DiCaprio's resume kind of stands up to it. You look at uh, what's eating Gil- what's eating Gilbert Grape? He was just a kid in that movie, and he was killer in that. Um, as Arnie, he fucking Aviator was amazing. The Departed was amazing. Titanic, I would say he did a good job in, but I can understand that maybe a little too teeny bopper for some. Yeah, he's laid out some really good movies. No, like I said, I I don't I don't like diminish or reduce Leonardo DiCaprio's career at all. But I just think Denzel Washington is a lot more prominent of an actor in regards to his resume and what he's done. That's just my personal right. opinion. But And this is besides the point, but yeah. I, I, I couldn't, you know, 
it's a matter of opinion, but yeah, I, um, but yeah, back to don't look up. I think that what's interesting to me is I don't know how it works with the Academy in regards to like, are movies that come out now on Netflix, like Netflix originals, are they in the conversation now? Like, are they eligible for Academy Awards? No, I think you have to do a theatrical run to be eligible for really? it. Really? Yeah. I, Just don't look up in theaters? Because there has been some Netflix originals that have been put in theaters. No, yeah, there has. And so, to your point, uh, The Irishman was up for Exactly. And yeah. so... That had a theatrical run. And that was also a Netflix original. Yeah. So, I think that... And we could be completely off base here, but um, I, under normal circumstances, if that movie had came out in theaters, I think it possibly would have gotten nominated for Best Picture. I think it's a little. They have a bigger sample size now. Like it depends. Some years, what I've noticed with the Academy is they'll do like four or five movies, and there'll be some years where they'll nominate like six or seven. Yeah. So. I think it's a little too slapstick for that. I do think it's a really well done movie. But, but there's I, been some weird movies that have won yeah. Best Picture, though. Like, okay, for example, Sideways right. got nominated for Best Picture. didn't win, but it got nominated. American Beauty, I think, got nominated. Too. That actually won, if I'm not mistaken. And that's kind of a weird movie. Yeah. So, you know. It's got some comedic elements yeah. to it. I just think that this movie, for me, sort of like checked all the boxes in regards to what would maybe qualify... No, it's a really well done movie, and yeah. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think, like, considering all the big movies that have come out lately, um, it's the best of what has come out recently. It's yeah, it's definitely the better. It's definitely the best movie I've seen in a while. Granted, I haven't seen a lot of the newer movies that have came out, yeah. but I was like pretty entertained with that. I think it's it's, it's hard not to want to watch a Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio movie. No, I always gravitate automatically i make it a point to see dicaprio movies as soon as possible just because once again my affinity for him as an actor he's my favorite actor so just you know i always go out to see his movies and it's a really well done movie and uh i think it's only contemporary right now the other big release was the new matrix movie which was horrible and um this, you know, for the time being, is the best movie that's been released lately. I, yeah. I really enjoyed it from top to bottom. There, What I really liked about it was just there was so much parody. Yeah. So when you were watching it in real time, were you able to kind of like, because I was, this is the way my brain was working the whole time I was watching it, is I was like, I was like identifying the the parallel characters where I was like, okay, this is Elon Musk. This is Donald Trump. This yeah. is Fauci. Like, were no, you doing I, that I, when you were yeah, watching Oh, yeah. It? Yeah. And that Elon Musk dude or whatever, I he was, in my mind, actually, like, a conglomerate of various guys on Elon yeah. Musk's level. For I sure. thought he was a little bit of Elon Musk. I thought he was a little bit of Bezos. I thought he was a yeah. little bit of Jobs, or Steve Jobs. Yeah. He had, he yeah. had all. It seemed like, yeah, he was, like, all of them combined into one. Yeah. It, it was a, and the, that was a really weird role in itself. Like that guy was just a yeah. fucking nut job weirdo. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence in that movie was great. You know, yeah. she she always is great no matter what movie she does. The cast from top to bottom, I can't really think of anyone to look at it and go, oh, they kind of took away from the value of that movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, they cast it very well. 
it was just such a realistic portray of how portrayal of how COVID has panned out. Yeah. You know, like the the don't look up crowd being like the MAGA crowd. Don't look up. Don't <laughs> what? Like there's this asteroid that you can see and you've convinced a swath of people not to look up at. Yeah, it. but it's like, the same thing that happened with COVID. Like there was a lot of people on the far right that were like, oh, COVID's not real, but there's people like dying every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah, the no. exact same thing. No, it was literally the exact same thing. I yeah. agree with you wholeheartedly. And then, like I said, it was painfully accurate as far as where our society is at. And I could see myself as well, or I could see Leo taking a look at this project. And, you know, we all know which way he leans. He probably took a look at the script and went, oh, man, this is a chance for me to really roast that side of the country. And yeah. I'm sure he loved every single minute of it. Yeah, I do. Uh, uh, for sure. It was really, I forget who the actor was, or the director was, but. Um, so I know Zack Snyder was involved in the project. I think he produced it, though. Okay. Not involved. So you know who Zack Snyder is? Yeah, I do. The Justice I do. League guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so when I saw his name attached to it, I was like, oh, there's a lot of money behind this project. But obviously, you can tell when you watch the movie, you were like, they spent a fuck ton of money making this thing. And that's exactly what you would expect from Zack Snyder. Yeah, no, it, you know, that's awesome. Adam McKay is the director. What else has he done, though? Um, he has done a shit. He is strongly tied to uh, Will Ferrell. Uh, he has, I, he did Anchorman, both of them. He did Talladega Nights. Wait, he, he directed those? Yes, he directed okay, those. Okay, that's interesting. That explains a lot Step of the brothers. comedic elements. Yeah, yeah, so this guy is known for making slapstick you know yeah. fucking and you know i would say that this movie you could look at it and go yeah it is slapstick but i would also say it's a step out of his normal vein because there are clearly some pretty serious elements to it yeah but i actually saw a really good take well when i first saw this i didn't watch the movie yet and somebody was saying it's kind of a like a modern day imitation of idiocracy Remember Idiocracy? Yeah, uh, I love Mike Judge. It's Luke Wilson, Luke Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I saw that back in the day, I was like, damn, this is fucking crazy. It was a good movie. Go away, I'm baiting. Yeah, yeah, it was a great movie. And uh, yeah, a lot of similarities between kind of the theme of the movie along with Don't Look Up. I agree wholeheartedly. I think uh, both of those movies... um, are clear commentaries on how the collective intelligence of society is yeah. slowly dwindling. For sure. Yeah, I think. And, and it, Idiocracy was kind of before its time because it came out in 2006. And that was really, oddly enough, right before, you know, the recession happened in 08, 09. So it was weird. It was almost like it, it, it was like early to the party in a way. Yeah. You know? I agree. And I think that the great thing about Idiocracy was that at the time it was easy to just dismiss as, oh, whatever, you know, you know, there's at the time there was a fringe group that would cut on to like, no, this is actually a commentary on. But you go back and you watch it now and it's like, it's pretty on point with what it was trying to say, you know what I mean? And I think it's great when these certain movies come out and I think the crowd that they're mocking isn't necessarily going to get, you know, what is being said about that crowd or the crowd they belong to. But 
the people who aren't a part of that crowd, you look at it and you just go, oh man, they're just fucking nailing it. You know what I yeah. mean? And this is another case yeah. of it. I think that's why there was so much hype around this movie is like people, it really drew attention to just how ridiculous the last two years have been. The it ridiculousness has, it has been, and you know, not to get down the COVID train, but I will just say it's weird how these clear situations of like threat to population as a whole yeah. get fucking politicized these days. And yeah. Well, that's, that's the, um, that's the burden and severity of identity politics, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, that's it's like it's in a weird in a weird way. It just causes so much demise. And I was actually thinking about this in the car. Um, it's kind of funny, almost how it works. It's just like everything these days is like a flashpoint to what side of the country you fall on. Yeah, either you know you're pro gun and you're on that side, or you're anti gun and you're on that side. And I was just thinking about it in my head, like, as I was driving down the street today, all it takes is one person from one side that has a high enough profile to take a stance on something. Yep. And it could be something that no one has cared about up until this point. And if it gets enough attention, all of a sudden, the other side of the country will just be like, don't you fucking do that. And, yeah, the domino effect of it all. And before you know, it, we're fighting over something that no one cared about. Yeah. And it's no longer about that itself. It's now a left versus right. Right. Well, there's, there's no nuance to anything. Like nothing has any nuance to it. And it's just, it's very black and white. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's been turned into like, there's so Which much clarity to it. Yeah. yeah. And it, there's no nuance to shit anymore. There's it's not. like either you are on, we like to like put everything in groups and make it really binary. You know, like we want to feel like we're part of a community and we want to be part of a group. And a lot of people are willing to go to war uh, for that group. And it's just, it's such a weird tribal fucking mentality. And that's more or less what America has devolved into is um, tribalism. It's. Yeah. We we are a loose patchwork of a very small group of tribes. Like I would say, there are two major tribes at this point. There's left and right. Uh -huh. There's obviously subdivisions within each yeah. side, but you know, more or less at this point, it's a all-out battle between both sides to figure out who's going to eventually end up controlling America enough to implement their will. Yeah, and it's kind of a scary time if you think about it, and this movie fucking illustrates that is that both sides are willing to see, you know, the end of the earth as long as you know it's on their terms. As long as they they have their confirmation bias. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. Um. Real quick to to end this uh, conversation about don't look up, I. I think Brad Pitt's a better actor than Leonardo DiCaprio. Hard to argue that. I would look point to once See, upon it's easy. No, it, it, I, real quick. I would point yeah. to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I would ask you who stole that movie. I think Brad Pitt stole that movie, dude. I would say Leonardo DiCaprio had a huge claim to saying that he stole that movie too. Both of them are excellent actors. They were amazing in that movie. Yeah. That's a good example. I'm glad you brought up that example because that's an incredible film. But 
yeah, I just think the ending of that movie, you know, when Brad Pitt had the fucking, the scene at the end where they had the, what was like the, the fight? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's such a classic scene in that yeah. movie. Yeah. Like Brad Pitt to me really made that movie. He did. You know, I, I'm sitting here playing that movie back in my head. And like, See, it, it's easy for, because Leonardo DiCaprio is so, um, he, he does more, like currently as of right now, he is, he gets more exposure because he does a lot more movies and he's, a, he's younger yeah. than Brad Pitt and Denzel Washington. He's about 10 to 15 years behind Brad Pitt. Yeah. So when you talk about greatest actors of our generation, for me, the top three, it's going to be Denzel, Brad Pitt, and then Leo. And sometimes it's even like a tie for me when it comes to to Brad Pitt and Denzel. You know, and you look at Brad Pitt's track record, like, you know, um, True Romance. He had a bit piece in that, but he was good in that for what yeah. he did. Uh, obviously, Interview with Vampire. Yeah, it's like, to me, that's like almost the apex Club. of his career. Yeah. Fight, Fight Club's amazing. It's it, like when you really look at Brad Pitt's resume, it doesn't, to me, I just think, it's it, it surpasses Leonardo DiCaprio's, but also like you said earlier, Brad Pitt's been around longer. Yeah, but I still think he's a, like he has a better resume, and I think he's had more of an impact on film. I think he doesn't get his fair shake. To be honest, I think it's easy to just dismiss him as a heartthrob of the '90s. Yeah, but also he, we're old enough to remember that. If you're 27, 28 years old, you don't remember '90s Brad Pitt. So do you think Betty White and John Madden are having crazy geriatric sex right now in heaven? <laughs> it's quite it's, possible. It, it's, it's almost like too much of a coincidence that they died within like two weeks of each other. Yeah, it is. So they're probably like a match made in heaven literally right Jesus. now. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't have been able to do this episode without saying rest in peace to John Madden um a legend in the truest sense of the word uh at every level of the game yeah absolutely that was uh that was kind of a kind of a shocking one to hear but then again you know you look at like some of these people you know it's just a reminder that eventually you're just going to get old and yeah. pass away it's kind of inevitable life but, catches up man yeah um shout out to him though i mean yeah for great, real. like greatest announcer hands yeah, down easily like, Easily. And there's some great announcers out there. I like Al Michaels a lot, yeah. and Chris Collinsworth is all right, but no one's ever going to touch. I don't think so. He was just like his kind of signature one-liners that he had. Yeah. And, the uh, pin on the screen was his yeah. trademark. And, and then always, one of the things I'll always remember about John Madden is when he would commentate. So obviously, like ever since we were kids, the Cowboys would always play on Thanksgiving. He would... I. Oh, wait, for at least from what I recall, he would always do the commentary for the game. And then the big thing that he always used to do was he would have the Thanksgiving turkey Durkin. with all yeah. the legs on it. And yeah. he would always give one, I think, to whoever like the star. They would have they would almost like bring the turkey out on the field and he would give like all the top players of the game would get a turkey leg. It was like a thing that they always did on Thanksgiving. I remember that. Yeah, he started that. That was his uh yeah. You know, John Madden, and you look at what he did with the Raiders as well. Like, you know, that's <laughs> obvious. 
iconic, like yeah. him being hauled off the field after winning. He won a Super Bowl, too. Yeah, he yeah. did. He is a Super Bowl winning coach. Um, and look at how many he won. You know, he played in a time where he coached at a time when football was like truly a gladiator sport. Like it was yeah. something to win a game in the NFL at that point. So how many Super Bowls did he win? It's not giving me. And was his Super Bowl win post? Nineteen seventy six is what this is saying. You won a Super Bowl. So hey man, hey, yeah. Super Bowl win. Yeah. So he is an all time great, no matter how you look at it. Yeah. Best announcer to ever do it. One of the best coaches to ever do it. You know, he was playing at a time when the game was, or coaching at a time when the game was like truly in the middle of a revolution of how football was played. Um, yeah. That was really at the time when we thought of a vertical attack uh, passing game as something new and revolutionary. Playing a lot of good coaches. Uh, Cordell down in uh, San, uh, San Diego. Uh, obviously, Nolan, the Niners, were a thing back then. He was playing a lot of – or coaching a lot against a lot of good coaches. But were those coaches the same era, though? Yeah. They so, they were – Noel – was just the thing he uh montana was fairly new at that point um cordell with uh or coriel i forget whatever his name was fouts um was you know so i mean he the did dan, it dan fouts yeah. yeah yeah he did it at the time when football was truly a competitive game and yeah i think um <clears throat> and the video games yeah i was just about to say i think you know when he was coaching, that was obviously before our time, but we will always, you know, revere him and recognize him more, I think, as a commentator. And then obviously the Madden video game series, which had been around, I think they had 30 years, if I'm not mistaken, it was around that. Yeah. I, the first time. game I played was 93 or 94 on SNES. Yeah. And just to speak to how great, or I don't want to say get great, but how revolutionary of a franchise that game was you know what i mean mm -hmm. the fact that it's still going every year it's a top sell yeah um can't tell you how many times for people who are listening me and chris growing up hold up in your room taking turns oh, yeah. shredding I, each other with michael Vick. That, and, that game consumed a lot of my teenage years yeah, man. It, was a lot. Fun. it was fun though yeah. i mean yeah, especially that that 2004 game with Michael Vick on the cover. Oh, yeah, that was fun. I think that was like the first football game that really like opened a lot of doors. I feel like because Vick was obviously one of the first really fast running quarterbacks. Yeah, it was like playing. He was like Superman. unstoppable yeah. in that game. Completely yeah. unstoppable. He was, <laughs> and um, it's gonna be a. He's been out of the game. You know, the picture for so long that, you know, the game has obviously passed him by. But yeah, I don't think the NFL will ever, you know, replace John Madden or be able to ignore no. the impact he made on the game. One of the things while we're talking about him that I saw that I thought was kind of interesting was so according to Celebrity Net Worth, which is not always right. Uh, they said that Madden had around a $200 million net worth. Now, when I saw that, I thought to myself, okay, in reality, you never really truly know what someone's net worth is, but that was a hard sell for me. 
I think he was worth a lot more than that. If you think about licensing for the video game, how long that video game series had been around, at 200 mil, and also just like, think about all the endorsements Madden had, and think about his career in commentating. That guy had to have been worth more than 200 mil, man. Well, you don't know what is. I mean, Dr. Dre was a, is a billionaire off headphones. You don't think that Madden can't be a billionaire off the Madden video game series, considering it's been around for 30 years? How many copies he sold? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I get no, that. No, for sure. Yeah. Like, um, that's, I don't know. That, I, that seemed like a low ball number for John Madden. Consider, like, dude, think of, yeah, think about how many copies of that video game sell every single year. Well, you have to wonder how much of that he was actually seeing, because I imagine the NFL takes a pretty good chunk out of They do, but he's got, I mean, with the fact that his name is attached to each game, there's some kind of licensing royalty oh, I'm for sure. involved there. You're right about that, but. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a reminder, man, that some of these guys we really adored and revered uh, as kids are like slowly on their way out. Yeah, starting to get old. Yeah. Um, it's tough to watch. Yeah, it is like every single person we've ever identified as an idol of our childhood is just you look at them these days and it's just like, oh, shit, yeah, I'm getting old. <laughs> yeah, well, they just look like they're one fucking turn away from kicking yeah. the bucket. Yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely right about that. Trapped in Austin podcast.